Hey, CA Church, Cam Daly here. So glad to be with you this weekend. Thanks for the update, Pastor Sam. And as the youth pastor, I just wanted to say something to conclude that announcement. This last decade as the youth pastor here has been some of the best years of my life. Serving you, our students, loving your kids, leading you, praying for you, and just having a ton of fun at the weekend, on our missions trips to New York, at the lock-in, every Thursday night has been one of the greatest privileges of my life. And so I want to sincerely thank UCA Youth. I also want to thank Mark and the leadership of this church because you guys believed in a young guy, allowed me to lead our amazing students. Uh, and I honestly, I mourn the loss of this season of ministry. Uh, I'll sincerely miss spending my Thursdays with you, but the good news is I'm still around until June on Thursday night, so it's not quite over yet. I'm not going far. I'm really excited actually to be starting our new Rail City campus and hope that maybe some of you, our students, will start attending there in the fall. Maybe you as families want to come. I'd love to continue to pastor and lead you. But secondly, church, I want you to know I could not be more thrilled that Jorley stepping into the, the role of family ministries and overseeing youth and kids. Uh, I'm just so excited about that. She is a gift to our church. She will do so great. I also cannot begin to tell you how much I believe in and for and think that Eve Kennedy will do an incredible job as the new youth director. She's one of our own. She came to faith in our church. She grew up in our ministry. She was an intern, pastoral apprentice, and, and friends, like, honestly, she genuinely loves Jesus, loves you, has a prayerful heart, has vision, is a leader of leaders. She's gifted and called, and honestly, God knows what he was doing when he placed her and Joe to lead this ministry into what's next for CA Youth. Um, they're both tons of fun. You can trust them, and I honestly believe that the best is yet to come for CA Youth here at Coquitlam Alliance. Well, listen, that's all for the announcements, and uh, at this time, I want to transition into our message. We're heading into a two-week mini-series called Keep Asking. We're looking at the parables of prayer in the book of Luke. And I am indebted to Daryl Johnson, who did some teaching on this recently in a seminar. Uh, and so I just wanted to say on the onset, like, so, so grateful for him. Um, this week, as we dig into Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, and uh, the following week, Pastor John Fortune is going to walk through Luke 11, 1 to 11. The first encourages you to keep praying, and the second, I would describe it, it makes you want to pray. If we were to look at the context of this book, Luke interestingly speaks to prayer more than any other gospel and paints a picture of Jesus as the man of prayer, the praying Messiah. So it only makes sense that we would go to Luke when discussing this subject. As some of you know, prayer has been our wildly important goal, our emphasis for our staff for these last few years. That's why the gathering, the week of prayer, and prayer initiatives are so important to us. We hope this series addresses the subject of prayer from maybe a little bit of a different angle, a different way of looking uh, at the diamond. Much of what we'll actually speak to is the character of God and how that will inspire us to be people of prayer. Today we land in Luke 18, looking at verses 1 to 8, which my Bible gives the heading, The Parable of the Persistent Widow. Let's read this together uh, today, starting in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. If you're willing and able, please stand as we read God's Word. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, I neither fear God nor care about people. 
And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to her, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will you keep putting him off? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this text. We pray that by your spirit, wherever we find ourselves right now, that God, you would be speaking to us. You'd be encouraging us and correcting us about who you are and what you're like. And that, Lord, that would transform into us uh, belief and faith. And that faith would produce in us, God, a lifestyle of people who are persistently praying. Would you do that in our hearts today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep asking. Is there a prayer that continually, daily, monthly, yearly is on your lips over and over and over again? A request that you ongoingly bring before the Lord. Lord, would you help this family member? Lord, would you help my friend who is sick? Lord, would you help me overcome this sin? Lord, I need direction. Lord, would you save my city? Jesus, would you return? (laughs) A prayer that you just keep asking. Today's story encourages us to do this very thing. Keep asking. Right out of the gate, Jesus tells us uh, why he tells us this story. He says this, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray, keep asking, and never give up. And Jesus illustrates this statement by telling a story. Uh, Storytelling is one of Jesus' favorite ways of communicating. And he tells a story of a woman who embodies this posture and position thoroughly. Let me retell the, the story for us today with a little bit of commentary. And so as we saw, there's this judge. He is a wicked man. His worldview is this. He, he doesn't fear God. He maybe thinks God is removed, doesn't care. Uh, and he doesn't care about others. So therefore, saying to, this, uh, saying to this judge, for God's sake, give me justice. This would do nothing for him. Interestingly, this old book alludes to a very common idea in our day and our society Uh, Because we often think this way, that adults are only accountable to themselves and their own conscience. They don't have to report to anyone else or nothing else. And this judge embodies this. Uh, He embodies this kind of character of, I don't need to report to God. I don't need to report to others. And therefore, he's a wicked judge. Now, there's a widow who is the hero of this story. I want to hit pause there for a minute. And just highlight how unusual this is in this culture that a woman is the hero of the story. And I recognize this might be surprising to highlight in our time. And yet Jesus breaks the cultural norms and expectations in the way that he lifts up this widow and women and commends her behavior as exemplary. And so right now, all the women in the chat, you can light it up with an amen if you're in your home because Jesus is for women. And we see this in this story. This woman is a widow. Now, uh, we assume when we hear the word widow that it means that she was old. We don't know whether she was old, but the thing that we do know is this, is that 
her husband has passed away. Widows, orphans, and foreigners in that time were the most vulnerable, vulnerable of people. Uh, and this isn't always as true today. Oftentimes, sometimes widows are comfortable uh, and they're doing quite well for themselves. But in this culture, it means she had no husband and therefore no protection or provider. She's also alone in court defending herself, meaning she has no living father, brother, son to defend her. Some have described her as being in no man's land. <laughs> and yet, although uncommon, this vulnerable widow is feisty. She's persistent. She's resilient. She will not take no for an answer. She keeps coming at this judge day after day to get justice. Her enduring request is supposed to represent a persistent, continual, demanding prayer life. One that doesn't give up. One that keeps asking. I remember um, as a kid, I would sometimes take this approach with my parents. I come to my parents over and over again and, and, hey, can you give me this new hockey stick? Please, I, I really need it. Or I would say, please, can you take it to the mall? I really need to get this thing. Or can we go to the park? Mom and dad, please, could I go to the Canucks game? I ask them over and over again, can I go to this person's house? Could I please stop doing homework and just watch TV? Persistently coming to them over and over and over again. Uh, until this text describes they were worn out and they're just like, okay, fine. You can have it. You can do it. Okay. And I wonder whether our attitude of prayer resembles this quality, persistence, continual. I'll keep asking no matter what. Even if I get 50 no's, eye rolls, silence, I'll keep asking. Any of you have a friend that you text all the time but never get an answer? Like, I won't name names. I've worked with a few people like this. <laughs> you text them, you know it's red, it says it's red, they don't answer, you emphasize it with like some question marks. You ask the question again. I've even like, you know, persisted to just type each word of the question one by one. <laughs> and they won't give you the answer you deserve. It's so frustrating. This woman's persistence is like an annoying ex-girlfriend or boyfriend after a breakup. They won't give up, please. It's the equivalent of getting through to Telus or Shaw for tech support. It's waiting in line in the middle of winter at a grocery store in the middle of a pandemic kind of persistence. And it works. Finally, the judge is worn down. The text says he grants her justice, not because he fears God or, or others, but because he selfishly is in fear of his own safety. The Greek implies that he is fearful if he doesn't give in and give her what she wants. It says he, she will punch him below the eye. He's actually worried about getting a black eye. <laughs> so this story paints this picture of this spunky, feisty, persistent old widow. I want you to consider for a moment how extraordinary this picture is. This high and mighty, manly judge, back down in the corner by this feisty old lady. I like to imagine her like that. And I remember um, when I was young at my first job, this manager that I had thought of himself as high and mighty, uh, and he would often come down to me. And one day, my Scottish granny came down to the restaurant right, at Lougheed Mall, cornered him, and gave him a Scottish earful, all right? Just went off. This is the picture of this text, of, of this lady who just will not take no for an answer. And so as we read this story, it leaves us with some questions. Why don't we pray like that? And, uh, and what's going on in our souls that we do not come to God over and over and over again? And lastly, 
you know, why does Jesus tell us this story? What's he really trying to get at? We know he says he doesn't want us to lose heart. Uh, he doesn't want us to, to stop praying. But, but is there something more he's getting at? I want to dig into some of these questions in our next few moments. Well, Jesus does tell us why he tells us this story. As, a, as I said in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Jesus told this story that we should always pray and never give up. Firstly, Jesus is wanting to encourage his disciples to always pray, to not give up, to not lose heart as the ESV says. But why? He, he's genuinely concerned that they will lose heart. He is concerned that you, church, will lose heart. Why? Because just before this, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisee and with his disciples. And his disciples are listening in and he shares these concerns with them. He says in Luke chapter 17, verse 22, then he said to the disciples, so he's having this conversation. He turns to the disciples. He says, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. Jesus follows up with this story, this parable of prayer. He's trying to make it clear. He is concerned. He is worried that his disciples, that for his disciples, that there'll be a day when they need justice. There'll be a day when they're going to need God's intervention. There'll be a day where they'll long to see him return and he won't come back in their moment of need. And they'll give up, they'll lose heart, their prayers will run dry. Or even worse, Jesus is actually concerned, will they lose their faith? Look what he says at the end of the story. Verse 6, Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But then Jesus asked an interesting question to end the story. Notice it. This is the lesson. He says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? This is strange. Some of you thought, I thought this was about prayer. Like, I thought this was a story about people who pray a lot. And it is, and it's not. It's about a God who is just. It's about faith. It's about faith that produces persistent prayer and resilient disciples. Jesus is concerned about his disciples' faith. He is concerned for our faith. Jesus says, even though we have a father who cares deeply and acts on our behalf justly, will his disciples, us and them, lose heart? Will they give up and quit asking, seeking, and believing? Will they lose their faith because of his delayed return? Will they give up because of unanswered prayers? Will they give in because they've been treated unjustly? Will they walk away because the world lacks justice? See, when we look at the Greek, the, the original language here, the text actually shows us with Jesus' question, will the Son of Man find faith, that he is deeply concerned. In fact, he's unsure that when he returns, he will find faith. So as we discuss this this parable of prayer, it helps us uh, as we answer this question, why don't we pray as we should? Or why have some of us quit asking? Why don't we, like this woman, come banging on the door of the judge, that being God, to demand justice? Jesus, I think, gives us some insight. He gives us a couple of reasons. The first is this. We have a wrong perception of God. And the second is this. Perhaps we have lost heart or faith. My big idea throughout this, this message is this, that when we have a right view of God 
and great faith, we will keep asking. I want to start with our view of God. What does this parable tell us about God? It paints a picture of a judge that none of us want ruling on our behalf. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care what others think. It's a picture of someone who doesn't care, is not just, needs to be bribed perhaps to get anything done, and he'll only act if he is bothered over and over again. He doesn't act unless it helps him. Have you ever had an experience with someone like this? They knew what was right. They knew you were vulnerable. They knew what was just but maybe they didn't fear God or care what anyone thought. They were just more invested in their own interests, so they would not come through for you. (laughs) Some of you immediately maybe think of like an ICBC adjuster. If you're ICBC adjuster, we love you, but we've had this experience over and over again. You know we're right. You know we deserve justice, but maybe become numb, don't care, or it's just you've dealt with so many cases like this and people just don't get what they deserve. Some of you, like this woman, in these experiences, maybe you're like her. You won't take no for an answer. But what I'm fearful of, and the reason I use this illustration, is I wonder whether some of us view God this way. He doesn't care. He's far away. He's concerned with his own affairs. He doesn't care about us lowly peasants. Maybe he could be bribed. Maybe we could beg. Maybe he'll do the right thing. But this is not who our God is. He is a God who is good, who is just, who acts quickly on behalf of his people. Like it said in verse six, learn this lesson from this judge. He even rendered a just decision in the end. And so by using this negative example, Jesus is emphasizing, look, if if this person gave a just result, then how much more just and good and great is God in contrast and comparison? Jesus assures us that if this judge who is evil does what is right, won't our God give justice to his chosen people who come before him? And not just that. Will he keep putting them off? He says, no, I'll tell you, he will grant justice quickly. Now, some of you hear that word, you're like, really? Jesus, quickly? (laughs) Sometimes it feels like actually he moves quite slowly. Slow to return. It's been 2,021 years. And this is why, you know, maybe at at times we begin to doubt. Some of you think, quickly? I've been asking for justice for years, for decades. He's slow. And yet, Luke, as he writes this, he uses this grammatical clause, which is a double negative, which is just the equivalent of him saying, No, he will not keep putting you off. No, he will grant you justice quickly. Uh, So when uh, when he's using this, as the other translation says, and it says, will he be slow? Luke's answer to that is he says, no, he will not be slow. He won't be slow. The word slow here is like, will the Lord be patient? Will he long suffer over us, as another translation says? And Daryl Johnson translates this as, will he put away anger? Why does he translate it this way? He highlights here to remember that the one who is seeking justice is also a sinner. Although we are vulnerable, although we have faith, we are also sinners who deserve, because of our sin, judgment, condemnation, So why is the Lord slow? Because he is fairly ruling over us as unjust persons as well. 
Some of you wonder why you aren't getting justice for the thing you're asking. I'd be curious to ask, are you justified? Is what you are asking for just? And secondly, are you right with the judge? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you trust the judge with your life and believe that he is good, just, and God? And when we place our faith in Jesus, we do become justified, just before God, and therefore, he will long suffer, he will put away anger, and hear us, God will give justice to his people, and quickly, in his books. Some of you think, well, I am saved, I have trust in Jesus, so why is God slow? 2 Peter 3.9 says this, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord and a day is like a thousand years. I've heard it said this way, God is never late. He's rarely early. He is always exactly right on time, his time. God's time is different than ours. And it's often mysterious to us. Uh, but you know, for us, many of us, we, we say hindsight is twenty twenty. As we look back, we realize why he didn't answer, why he didn't give us a yes, why he said no. And this this text reassures us that he will act quickly and justly on behalf of his chosen people. He will bring about justice for what is right and what is just for his people, ultimately in the end. He has done this in the past, friends, on the cross where we were justified for our sin, where sin was forgiven, where love was displayed, where Jesus paid it all for God's chosen people. Justice was served in that moment. He will do so in the future that is to come where all tears and pain and sorrow will be wiped away, where the unjust will receive the reward, where they'll be judged. We love to talk about the love of God, but it's actually in times like these and days like these and years like the ones we've been through where the, it seems like the wicked just get to walk away unscathed. And I remember the justice of God who is objectively fair and who will give each what they deserve unless they place their faith in Jesus. So some of us today, we need to expand our view of God, of not just a loving God, not just a God who cares, he is those things, but also a God of justice. It is only through faith in God as he truly is that I believe we will not give up, we'll not lose heart, we'll believe God is just, and I think it'll affect our prayer life. We will be persistent in pursuing, seeking, and and coming to God for justice because we believe God is a good judge who is just. So why don't you and I pray as we should? Jesus shows us this illustration in teaching because our faith is wavering. Why don't you pray as you should? I think if we're honest in our hearts, I don't say this flippantly, okay? But if we sincerely reflect, we don't believe Jesus. We don't believe God is just. We don't believe he, is care, he cares. And so our prayer life, it just begins to dry up. It begins to waver. We begin to come to God as a last resort. Okay, I've tried everything else in my life. I, I, I've worked as hard as I can. I've looked at this from every angle. Okay, Lord, if you're there, God, if you care, God, if you will come through. I think if we're honest, friends, When we ask ourselves the question, why does my prayer life not reflect that of the widow? I think for many of us, if we're really honest, there's something in our heart of hearts where we just, we distrust God. We don't believe he cares or he's listening or he'll come through. And Jesus tells us this story today to reassure us. So even if this unjust judge, like if this unjust judge 
gave justice to this widow, how much more, how much more will, will God come through for his chosen people who come to him day and night? So here's what I want you to hear. <laughs> if you want your prayer life to be better, don't just try harder. I'm not saying it doesn't take discipline or persistence, but I think step one for us is to remember who God is. Because if we have a right view of God that produces faith, and then I I believe we will be a people who pray persistently. And this all comes down to faith. As Hebrews says, Hebrews 11 verse one, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Corey Ten Boom, a follower of Jesus, a Holocaust survivor, has an incredible story and said this, faith is like a radar that sees through the fog to the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. And Jesus is worried that we, his disciples, when he returns, will lack this quality and it will manifest itself in poor prayer lives. So let me ask you as I follow up this question with some silence just to allow you to process. If the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, return, would he find faith here? Would he find it in your home? Would he find faith in your heart? So if the answer is no, this is exactly what Jesus feared. But my friend, the Son of Man has not returned yet. And every minute we have is an opportunity for us to return back to Christ, to choose faith instead of fear, to choose belief over disbelief, to get to know God, to grow in our understanding of Him, another day to pray, another day to seek Him. Your time is not up yet if you're listening to this. So what should our response be? Keep asking. Some of you prayed as children. Remember that? Some of you prayed for your children to come to faith. Some of you have sought God for years and somewhere along the way you lost heart. You stopped asking. But maybe if we keep asking, maybe your persistent prayers will once again tune your heart to faith or maybe it'll reinvigorate your faith and it will produce in you a feisty, never give up prayer life. Louis Giglio said it this way, if we could see what happens when we pray, we would never cease to pray. And so I'd invite you to keep asking if we could see what happened when you pray, we would never cease to pray. So to conclude, there's two things we need to do. The first is repent. Turn back to God in faith. Apologize for our lack of faith and come to him in faith in this moment in our hearts. And the second thing we need to do, it might be harder. It's to keep asking. What is a prayer that you stopped asking long ago? In this moment, we need to bring it before him today in faith, in trust, as a leap of faith to believe that he is just, to believe that he is good, to believe that he cares. And so let's do that now in our hearts. Let's pray. Let's respond to this word and come before our good and just loving father who wants to act quickly on behalf of his people. Let's pray. God, we come before you today, and Jesus, we see your concern in the text. We do. We see your concern in the text. 
you are so concerned that one day you will return and that you will not find faith in the hearts of people on the earth, that we will have given up and lost heart. And I really think truly, God, that this text, it really does include all of us. Some of us are, um, we're, we are really strong in our faith, but there's parts of our heart where we maybe are still distrustful towards you, God. Others who are listening right now, we, we have stopped believing altogether. And there are some who have never placed their trust in you. And this is a moment for all of us to come before you, the living God, to reorient our hearts and to say, God, we trust you. God, I trust you. Would you say that in your heart right now and in your mind? Maybe out loud you need to declare it. God, I trust you. I believe you are good. I believe you are gracious. I believe you are kind and merciful that you see my need and you care. Lord, reinvigorate my faith. Help me to trust in that which I do not see. Help me to take heart rather than lose heart. God, would you do that in our hearts today, right now, in this moment? I want to give you a moment just to come before God and say anything in your own words right now. Lord, there's a second thing today this text implores us to do. And God, that is to keep asking. That we would always pray and not lose heart. Never give up. By your spirit, I pray in this moment you would bring to mind, in our hearts and minds, a prayer that we have stopped asking you about. We gave up a long time ago. We just stopped asking. We lost heart. Would you bring that to mind now by your Holy Spirit? Something that we, we did ask for and we have stopped. And now in this moment, ask God for that thing once again. Ask him for that thing once again. Bring it before him right now. Lord, I'm sorry that I stopped asking for. God, thank you that you hear us today. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you that you are just and you are good. We bring these prayers before you once again and help us to take heart and be persistent in asking for that because this text promises and we will take you to the test on this that, that you will bring about justice quickly for your chosen people. And so we ask you for these things again in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.